0: And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q and A's and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for Podcasters, get it now.
1: That might be my proudest moment as a human. Like, <laughs> it's getting
0: getting Vince McMahon to say cool
2: because, like, like Ron, okay. you have a daughter? Yes, <laughs> you have a daughter. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, but but I knew the finish of that one.
0: I am Kev Kellum for SportsKeed, and more importantly, John Ryman, former WWE writer. uh, You can introduce me to the collective of people you've put together for this new podcast. This is launching on iHeartRadio. It is coming out the Wednesday before WrestleMania. It is called Turnbuckles. Now, a lot of wrestling podcasts, but this one has a sweet, sweet appeal to it. And what is that, John Ryman, former writer for WWE?
1: Well, that is that it's myself. uh, It's three of my best friends. Uh, it's a fellow former WWE writer, uh, Julie Harrison Harney. And then we have a former, uh, well, gosh, I would say WWE kind of dynasty member, uh, Tim Silfies, son of the great Kerwin Silfies. Uh, so we all have ties and have spent time in uh, Stanford and with the WWE family. And then there is, uh, perhaps the most knowledgeable of all of us, (laughs) um, kind of the Carl Pilkington of our group, if you will. Boy, that uh, if I if a Carl Pilkington reference doesn't tell you why uh, I'm not still in Stanford, I, boy, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, the, the idiot savant, the Forrest Gump of WWE, Tom Tommy Rico, my good friend, uh, and we're all gonna just uh, we're just gonna talk some wrestling, man. That's what it's all about. Sports entertainment. Sports, Sports entertainment. entertainment. I just Sports got yeah, right, back, John. I got zapped yeah. in the neck it's a thing it's a five-year thing it's like the,
0: co- the the chip still yeah, works you the gotta chip. wear the
1: collar for five years after you leave so an nda and then the collar vince puts the collar on you which is pretty cool.
3: by the uh, way kev we spe- we feel really spoiled by the graphic the, yeah. the, the, the graphic he is of, uh,
0: yes the graphic is of at&t stadium several years ago with you get you get your own titantron yeah, yeah. here get, we crazy. get we get our own titantron so you guys all worked in the WWE system which has evolved and changed since it was in the 80s and become very much a big time presentation of wrestling uh, akin to a major television production now um when you guys came in were you all wrestling fans i I, john i know you are but uh were were you other guys in it and tim i know it's a little bit different for you with your, your father but like what was your knowledge of wrestling coming into it? And obviously, Tommy, you're a huge wrestling fan, so you guys get you get to pick their brain a little bit. You get to ask some annoying questions
3: that I would want to constantly ask when we're having a beer or something, right? And I have and I do. <laughs> be asking them questions. I had a couple of like almost situations where like I almost had an in on Tough Enough when that was with MTV, and I almost like t- took the dive in uh, as a writer when they were paying like $15,000 a year in the late nineties. Like I was, I was always on the periphery and I wanted to be a wrestler at a certain point, which sounds ridiculous a- as it looks, but I was, uh, I was... You would
1: never cut it with Johnny Knoxville.
3: No, <laughs> or Johnny Ace for that matter.
1: Hey, come on. Don't talk. Don't talk that way about the guy who came, who'd come in and pick up my stuff and throw it on the ground. <laughs> nice to eat in the meeting.
3: all right okay all right well the curtain has been pulled back john he had a favorite chair it's not it's not your fault no he
1: did this cool thing i will say it was awesome though because he would shake your hand while he was moving your stuff okay it's really smooth move where he'd make you feel important and then you'd realize you weren't sitting there anymore
0: oh so
1: i like hats off to him it's like a mugger if they're like polite you're like (laughs) all right yeah (laughs) and then i would just look over at pritchard who would just be shaking his head and not making eye contact like, you know, I wasn't quite sure whose side he was on. But.
0: Now, John, you came from the Tonight Show. You were on, yeah. on one, a huge TV property, jumping into WWE for a while. What was that like? Was it like? Did it feel like a parallel move, or is it a completely different universe? I would say it was. It was different in that um, it's
1: just, you know, I would say that it was. Anytime you go from like a a volume writing job into a writer's room, it's very different, mm-hmm. and it's just that's the biggest adjustment, and it's mm-hmm. just. Um, like i'm just someone who's so used to uh you know like just constantly writing and constantly working and like to give me an idea like i got through two episodes of the get back Beatles thing and i just had to stop because i was just angry at them i was like why won't you do some goddamn work uh you silly Beatles?" um so i just couldn't get through it um you know me, I'm a Beach Boys fan. I'm a Brian Wilson guy. I'm a, oh my God, we got to keep going sort of guy. <laughs> and so that was my big adjustment. It's just that, like, it's just, it was a real, it's, there's a, a very uh, niche way of pitching there. I mm-hmm. think the big thing for me was I was probably a better fit for SmackDown. Um, if you look at that, you know, people heading up that show at the time were uh, Bruce Pritchard and Ed Cosky and but heyman in the moment really wanted me until he didn't <laughs> and he and i have stayed friends we stay in contact but creatively i just was not different heard. vision different, yeah different like you. i was i it made more sense like it's just whenever we were just all together joking around it was like ed and i would always have a good time and i was told not a lot of people to make ed laugh, so it was like one of those things where it was like ships in the night but the big adjustment for me was just like um it's so weird because it's what it's what they say about vince is true no one in the building is working harder than him and it's just so odd i'd never been anywhere before in my life where the person at the very top you could not work them usually it's you're trying to you know they have their other stuff going on you're trying to impress them and you kind of pick up something's like no it's like you know the car is always there he's always doing work so that was like big but it was awesome that's what made it great for me was to see that what years is it's true he's always working and it's kind of inspirational in a way you know
0: really i have to do the obvious thing julie i know because because you're the female voice in the room right I have oh to hello sorry. that's
2: okay. that's what i that's what i'm asking sometimes i let john john be the that's... female voice in the room but you know i'll just refer it.
0: to her <laughs> as female voice in the room um so it it's a different environment, right? This is a real sure. It's a very male oriented superhero testosterone driven product. but obviously okay. I think WWE's made honest attempts to bring in more female fans with more stronger female characters. And now oh, they yeah. were doing that with the creative process. When you were there, did you have that sense of it when you came in? It's like, no, we want to hear your take that we we obviously can't create it on our own. We're just a bunch of dudes. What was it like when you came in there? What was the process like for you?
2: Yeah, I ultimately the thing that I took away was, the other female writers were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think I felt an immediate community and an immediate connection to the other female writers that were in the room, and that was really cool. Um, working with Dana Warrior was amazing. She really took me under her wing. She taught me a lot about how the process works. I loved learning um, uh, about her writing style and and her creation of characters. I mean, she just has the most wonderful vision um betsy was was there when i was there and we had a writer's assistant christine who was also amazing and i think what i was really lucky to have was that this group of female writers really stuck together and really supported one another and did a lot of projects together and so the normally competitive environment that i think a lot of other people may have felt when they came into wwe i did not Get that at all? I mm-hmm. felt a real kinship and a camaraderie with the other women at WWE. They were amazing. I, I got I got really lucky. I think I got really really lucky.
0: And it's good. And it's a world where it's kind of like a it's a highly it's like high school that never ends. You just keep going to the next thing, and we're fighting to the next big prom at the next Mania. Or, you know, the next the next big end of the year. Tim, for you, your father's in the business, so you're around it the whole time, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't remember a time not. Being in it, honestly, I don't really remember too much before he worked there. Vince Vince hired him right around WrestleMania one, uh, so it was like the long haul. So I just kind of grew up in the middle of all that madness back back in the day. You know, my dad was a TV director who who got he he ran into Vince kind of by happenstance, and then two years later they were doing uh, WrestleMania three in the Silverdome with you know 90, 93 thousand people. So it's it's been it's been a, a weird kind of circus to, to grow up in, but like I said, it, it was a part of my life from the from the very get go.
0: Is there ever been a time when you started telling someone who was like out of the, that bubble and you're just like, yeah, so I'm hanging out with so-and-so and this happens and I was at a birth. And people are like, wait, what? Like, is like, is all this always been natural to you? Like, there's never been the, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I was around
4: it. since I Kind was of birth- both. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been natural. But then like you realize it's not natural. And and this was, you know, I, in the K years in the beginning, you know, it was like, uh, you know, I had to sort of. People would always ask me, is wrestling fake? And they would ask about, like, I mean, this, because this was in the 80s.
0: Son, when you go to school, remember, protect the business. Always.
4: Well, my dad, like, to this day, is kind of an old school kayfabe kind of guy. Okay, (laughs) I like that, dude. (laughs) it really, it it, it was and is like that. Uh, Yeah.
0: Your dad's yeah. We all gonna be rocking some Jim Cornette podcasts in the back saying that's how we should have done it right there. you all got an email from Tim's dad saying
1: Undertaker Hall of Fame. How possible? He's dead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually in the graveyard at one in one of the original like promos that they shot. My dad my, brought me to the shoot at like midnight in some oh. graveyard when I was like eight or nine. I think two you're an eight year old kid just walking around. The Undertaker is doing is the, the Undertaker doing promos yeah and in, in a in a graveyard I oh, don't well, yeah
1: that's like the highlight of bruce pritchard's career he talks about that all the time
4: that's oh well yeah i think i think if it's the same one yeah i was, I was oh there. my
0: gosh that's so amazing so what were you the designated driver <laughs> 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 yeah tim I, at the hearse at age 11. just
4: kind of like wandered around my dad was working was just like just stay out of trouble
3: i love I the see. idea of bruce cutting the segment go cut Kerwin, get your son out of the coffin. Come on.
4: Unless
3: he's
0: going to be a zombie. We don't want him in the shot. Well, yeah. that would, That's what it would be. He'd be like,
1: what if? <laughs> <laughs> what if he had like a Casper character?
0: We don't call him Casper. I'm a Casper little ghost. Like the K, so I'm a different. little ghost. and follow my big buddy, the Undertaker. Um, Good shit. Undertaker. I think we're on to something. There we go. We're selling the I'll next WWE you. Kids show. Yeah. Um, so let's Love get into this. You guys are going to talk about writing for WWE and, and um, all these different things. We'll ask you about this year's WrestleMania, which is, is kind of crazy that we get to talk to people about it. It's stupendous. Um, have you heard it, that? It is two nights. It is the most stupendous. No, but it's stupendous. Yeah, the most stupendous. Well, like talk that. to me about that language. Language <laughs> and... and no and adjectives are, seem like such a big thing with WWE. It is a show where it's odd, so they really drill in a certain phrase to you. Like, John Cena and the Rock, it was once in a lifetime, and, you, and every fan knew that. Was that something that was given to you guys? Were there yeah. points that you guys had to hit in terms of writing around those certain types of things?
2: Yes. Absolutely.
1: For uh, the, what was it? It was uh, the the show, um, the Crown Jewel. <laughs> the tag we had was, uh, uh, it was something like, um, as important, if not more important than WrestleMania, like that was the actual thing, and it was like you had to write that in all the like any 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 language you had, and then um, I'm guessing stupendous Julie, you could probably back me up. I'm guessing there was just an hour, like a 90 minute meeting, and they were just saying words probably. Right? Oh yeah,
2: I think what I remember some of the exercises we did was there would be an upcoming event or a a new wrestler was premiering or various things and you would just sit and write as many, many phrases, taglines, catchphrases as as possible. You'd hand them over to the head writer and they would just compile a huge document. Uh, We'd go to the creative meetings. We'd sit it in front of Vince and he would sit there with his pencil and just read through each one and X the ones he didn't like and check the ones he did. That's what I did, John. Is that a, that's what was that what it was like <laughs> when you were there?
1: I don't know if we had it. <laughs> I don't know if it was quite as organized. Um, I was there. Julie came in as I was leaving, so it was like I was there like summer to end nineteen. Like that was kind of my, mainly when I was there. And so you guys, people can go look up. That was when Bischoff was there, and then he wasn't. And mm-hmm. Bruce was he was going to be zooming in, and then next thing you know, he's buying a house. Uh, No, I don't know that we were quite as organized yet, but there was a lot of um, sort of someone taking notes and then um, people just kind of talking and Vince kind of looking at the ceiling and then repeating back like there was we didn't have the there wasn't as much organization. It sounds like Julie's talking about, but I do remember a story about. Someone found there's like uh, the bios of all the wrestlers and the superstars. I'm sorry, Ooh, collar went off again. And um, they, um, <laughs> and so they had all the superstars, and someone brought up like their bios. And uh, this was relayed to me. This happened the week before I was in the office. And Vince said, well, What are we doing with those, by the way? Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, Well, what do you mean? He's like, When's the last time we updated them? And so then someone brought up the website, and he just started going through. And the first one they had, of course, was Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And Vince went, oh, "This is terrible. We need all new. This we got to take all this down." So in real time, they took they deleted his bio from the website, and then they spent I heard uh, two hours in, as a group rewriting Brock Lesnar's bio. Uh, and it was literally Vince saying like, "Magnificent." <laughs> monstrous <laughs> just like saying out words and uh they were there for two hours and then he went what, what do we have so far <laughs> he's like god damn wasn't anyone putting them in the order and they were like no and he's like "Ah," so it's another half hour and then they got to the end and he goes who's next and they were like Randy Orton he's like we'll do, do that, that tomorrow <laughs> that was the end of the meeting and thankfully he had like other he had like XFL stuff to do events but like sort of like we would go through that so there was a lot of some in some of those late night meetings because like this is a night owl like you probably mm-hmm. heard and i can identify like i'm this, I am the same way and it just feels like the world stops so you just take your time and you're just like i'm gonna think of everything there is and so i my guess is they probably who do we think came up with stupendous i'm gonna say hey well. <laughs> <laughs> Who what do we all think st- came, like like who came up with stupendous
3: I think it's Vince. I mean, in really? the McAfee interview, Vince, they asked him about stupendous, and it really just came down to him liking the word, and <laughs> it was just that simple. But yeah. like, I, I think you figured out John does a very good, yet respectful impression of Vince McMahon. Well, yeah. I, I is, it is. I'm not. It is an fan. honorable.
0: It is an honorable version of his yeah.
3: his gruffled uh, take on, on the. Yes, word. I do. best way to describe the him. impression, though, John's impression of Vince McMahon is that Vince thinks ideas are delicious. Like yeah. that's really <laughs> he really does. He he, ta- he 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 takes them in, he savors them, and then says them out loud. So that's that's that. your cue, John. You can go ahead and stupendous that. <laughs>
1: stupendous, <laughs> superstars, <laughs> and he would bang his pencil. Are stupendous. <laughs> I think we can so, go home.
0: So let's let's get into you this. Guys go home. I'm going. Your uh, <laughs> your time in WWE and Tim, I want you. You're involved in this. What is the proudest thing? that you were involved in getting to television that fans got to see? What is the thing that you saw get on television? You're like, I helped make that. Here's my contribution to it. Here's what somebody else contributed. Here's where the talent really brought it home. Show that process that we're, that you guys were the most proud. Because it's a very hard process to get through to get something on TV, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let these guys go first. But it's very, it's very difficult to any show. People have to realize that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like... Um, Gonna say it. Internet wrestling community. Sorry. Um, I was trying to give it up for Lent. Uh, that phrase. uh My collar went off. Your my collar went off. Key, my sports yeah, key yeah, collar yeah. went off. Uh no, but everyone that says like like what's what's going on? It's all problem, it's like, guys, it's any TV show. Yeah. I mean, like I said, go watch the Beatles thing. It's a writer's <laughs> yeah. room is painful when you have to try to honor everyone's ideas sometimes, especially when everyone's kinda not on the same page or trying to figure things out on the fly julie what's your what's the coolest thing i I already know what your most infamous thing is we're saving yeah tell me the good one though
2: the good one anytime i got to write with kairi sane and oscar uh when they were the kabuki warriors I, i just have the fondest memories of sitting with them in the hallway backstage working on uh how they would deliver the promo and and what the best way to do something is. One of my favorite moments is we're backstage um, and uh, we're working with Asuka and Kyrie, and um, uh, there was a word uh, in English that we were trying to translate because obviously Asuka sometimes speaks Japanese when we're in the ring and, and we didn't know that word. So we had to pull out Google translate to, Attempt to tell Oscar the word that we were trying to tell, and Google Translate wasn't getting it right. So it was just this really wonderful, fun moment of um, her about to go on stage, and us just getting a new rewrite and and uh, trying to tell her what word she needed to say and in, in Japanese uh, as she was about to go cut her promo in the ring. Um, the, the the I have I have incredibly fond memories of working with with both of them and. Really enjoyed any time I got to write for the Kabuki, the Kabuki Warriors. It was my favorite. Um, I do have. I didn't write this this piece, um, but I was a part of it. This was this was not written by me. Um, there was a backstage piece where Kyrie Sane was was leaving, and she plays the recorder. Yeah, and um, it was it was probably one of my favorite moments because we just wanted to have like a fun. Silly thing. And we asked Kyrie, like, do you play like an instrument? Do you have something that you could be doing backstage? I think she gets, is it Naya Jax that 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 comes out? So, so, I think it's Naya. She comes out and and uh, uh backstage and she attacks her. Um and um we asked Kyrie, we're like, Do you play an instrument? Is there anything you, you can be doing or practicing? And Kyrie was like, I play the recorder. And we were like <laughs> I mean, that's the bit. That's all that it is. That's you couldn't write. Bit. You couldn't write
0: a better version of it. That's it's, the it's, bit.
2: It's I just just
1: your bit, was... like because she was leaving, and you're like, God damn, this whole time she played the recorder. <laughs> what wasted it? We could have had her play it <gasps> onto the ring.
2: It was, and Who then she lost. She actually Who lost the dead? recorder. We couldn't find it, and so we we were all scrambling. It's a team. We're song <laughs>
0: recorders coast to coast. that's How you were saying the recorder?
2: It was—it's a merch opportunity, uh, but it was just—it was one of those things where I was sent off. They were like, "Julie, we're—we're we're gonna record it. So you need to find the recorder. Where's the recorder?" And so I'm like rushing around trying to find because it wasn't a prop. If it's a prop, it goes through our prop team, obviously, and they hold it. But this was her recorder, so it was like she had it, she held it. So it was me going on a hunt to find this recorder because she's been practicing all day for it. So. Um, in my mind, that was—I didn't write it. I, I wish I could say I wrote the recorded piece. I didn't write it, but I was on set helping with it when it was being produced, and I feel very proud to have been a part of it.
0: Tim, obviously, maybe yours—you—you you told us as a child you got to hang out with an Undertaker in a
4: graveyard, which is yeah, insane. stuff like uh, that uh, was great. Um, you what know, do you just-
0: dream of then
1: when that's your actual? Life? <laughs> As a kid
4: but again i don't like i didn't really understand that like, it was strange like i was just
1: even, i dreamt that i was watching tv and doing regular normal kid things
4: <laughs> so weird. yeah exactly i don't know like i don't have a, a lot of my first person stuff would you know not be as involved as as theirs is i mean i know my dad again i can speak through him kind of that he i mean he talks fondly about lots of things through the years the most fondly, probably, though, is back to the days, like the old school days with On the Road with Gorilla and Bobby, just doing, because it was it was way less corporate back then and way less like what what um, what these guys kind of experienced. It was more sort of just like, by the bootstraps, just go do it. You know, there weren't, I don't think there were as many writers, if any, there weren't really, you know, it was just sort of like just doing stuff. So my dad always talks fondly about going and doing um, promos with Gorilla and Bobby, and and hanging out with Andre and doing stuff. I mean, a story he told me the other day that actually I was dying was he was doing a, a promo with Bobby and Gorilla at a casino. And Gorilla, <laughs> gorilla,
0: gorilla, very fond of uh, very fond of gambling, very right? So Gorilla's
4: gambling. gambling in this in this in this sort of um in this uh, bit that they're doing. And they said like, if he's gonna be on the floor, he has to gamble. So my dad was like, okay. And Gorilla was like, sure, I'll do that. So Gorilla's playing cards, gambling. And he's, the whole time, Gorilla's like on point, in character, focused on like, it seems like he's just like not even paying attention to the cards. Um, So they finish and Gorilla throws a $100 chip at at the dealer. And my dad's like, did you just tip that guy $100? And Gorilla's like, yeah. My dad's like, why'd you do that? Gorilla's like, because while we were shooting that, I won $10,000. <laughs> 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 and I was like, what? And, was, and yeah, and Gorilla cashes out and has like a pile. And that's, you know, that's what it was like back then, back in the day.
1: I guess it's one of those times the casino manager should have come over and said,
4: Will you stop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I gamble. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, like, that he, he got sucked into some of the betting circles with Gorilla and oh, he was nice. bet like five hundred dollars on the Bud Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like in retro at the time I was like okay and in retrospect it's like you know I, like my college was coming, like what are you doing? betting five hundred dollars <laughs> on Bud Light. Like you realize this is not this is not a shoot. This is this
1: is our <laughs> dude. we met in college, were you there because of some puppy bowls that went your way? <laughs>
4: I don't, I don't really know uh,
0: But anyway, uh, uh, John I know you had some Unique experiences in the very Intense uh, creative process that Was yeah. creating Bray Wyatt and bringing the Firefly Funhouse to television
1: I got there right After that and right when they were You know I mean yeah I don't know that We can ever say that they quite figured out What to do with it because obviously here's the thing with Firefly Funhouse pandemic hurt that There were a lot yeah. of cool things you know coming up with that And a lot of that is crowd reaction mm-hmm. um, But Um yeah, very briefly and that was probably I I was I think we we had Bray for about two months uh with our with the raw side and so yeah I got to pitch a lot on Bray and the key with that was you gotta do you had to do it in the production meeting.
0: Mm -hmm. You had to
1: get your ideas out there so so Vince himself would hear the ideas because everyone wanted to pitch on the fiend and if you gave it to anyone else you never knew it who it's
0: be it good. always struck me as someone who's been in a writer's room is like oh that that there's a lot of writers working on that there's so right. many
1: different little things that and we're that's and everyone wanted to do that and so there was a day when um we knew there was going to be you know we were closing every episode with the fiend striking and we were coming up with creative different ways to do it and someone was get was getting taken down at the end of a raw and it was going to be a new victim and so I just was thinking about it. And I was thinking about how every time Bray struck somebody and took them out of action, he'd hang the picture behind him on the wall as kind of a memorial. And that reminded me of the haunted mansion at Disney world. But when you go in and you see the portraits on the wall and some thinking, and I was like, the, I'm just like remembering that. And I go, I know we are going. And so it was one of those days where Vince is like, you know, anyone, anyone else have any thoughts? He was in a, he being vince sorry pronouns but he was in a good mood pro-nance, pro-nance. and we breeze through and then all of a sudden he goes were you ready to go and everyone went yeah and that's the wrong move like vince you never want to say like everything's perfect because so then he went no one has any ideas god damn you think you <laughs> have written the perfect perfect bra? And then he became, started becoming mr mcmahon mm-hmm. and so i said uh sir um what if that's how you want to pitch your ideas what if uh to signal that the fiend was going to strike we had an extra picture frame that's empty and we come in on the fiend and he's he being the fiend is hammering it onto the wall and there's no one in the frame yet and that's how we um, kind of hint that somebody is going to be there's gonna be a new victim at the end and uh, I was a home team so we were meeting video conference and Vince is like right up against like I am now like it's going to each corner goes oh that's and he looks right at and he goes that's cool. <laughs> and said it, and then like the way he said it was like just the Vince you remember from like it was like, his eyes got all big, like the GIF you see. After he goes, that's cool. And he takes the pencil. You can see Bruce running across, like right away. He's like, "Yep, that's in." And everyone's going, "Oh wow!" And then he goes and he goes, "Hey pal," he goes, "What's the line coming out of it?" And I just thought back to Disney World and I went, "There's always room for one more." Ooh. and because i thought of how they said that it's when i the how the man vince goes there's always room for one more <laughs> 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 right there that
0: was not only my that
1: might be my proudest moment as a human
2: <laughs> like, it's getting getting
0: vince McMahon to say cool
2: because like, like Ron, okay, you, have yes, <laughs> you have a daughter yes you have a daughter yes but, but i knew the
1: finish of that one and and also, like, and, you know, there's, like, I was in the ring, so to speak, in that case. I didn't have time to mask in that glory. But Vince, I had the chance to sit back and watch Vince McMahon. And my daughter, she was born, she came two weeks early. She was mm. not happy. She did not <laughs> she did not sign off on that idea. So that was like, I walked out of the room, the doctors were like, hey, bro, next time. And I was like, I know, that was a rough meeting. But with Vince, I killed it that day. So, um, that was my proudest, um just how can you beat that like i mean i've gotten the you know i was obviously found for a long time seth myers and jay leno and even paul mccartney wrote for him a couple workshops but vince mcmahon is like that's your child you know like anyone that grew up in new england like something about our dads reminded us of vince like there's some kind of thing and it was that approval and it was like just getting it's like man i just nailed it you know and it was on i don't think i had like much in that episode i think like i had like a super short baron corbin promo or something and like not everything else got cut and uh just nailing that getting that just out of my mouth and just into the universe and vince liking it you know it is on a, on a tough day when you're just not doing great you're not scoring and all of a sudden vince loves your stuff and and call you know shouts you out he goes well, you yeah. know gives you a wink and everything it's like man that's just the best and that's cool because it's like um not everyone. I mean, that's the thing. That other people have to realize: is the TV, You don't always get that recognition. You don't always get that credit. But Vince, I always found to be when he liked it, and even if it, even if they didn't do it, he'd say good thinking. You know, or he'd say or he'd explain why they wouldn't do it. But
0: yeah, that was the coolest. That was my favorite. He, he is one of the most intriguing creative people that has ever made anything because he never. The way WWE works, it never stops. So like, it just always. It's this thing that always has to be fed, like and in, and in, in, in it's odd that his his uh, his apt- his appetite for feeding it, it has never evaporated. Like it's never it's never let up or anything.
1: Well, people forget he he being Vince, forty years old, first WrestleMania. Uh, he's talked about it. he went bankrupt a bunch of times, and um, I mean he spent like forty years of his life, you know, fighting and just trying to stay afloat. Uh, he was older than I am now, and um, I just think there must be a point. It's like, because the other person that comes to mind like that is Larry David. Because mm-hmm. he was the same age when Seinfeld hit. And they mm-hmm. say the same thing about Larry David, that he's always got the notepad. And I've, sometimes
0: it, people say WWE Raw is the wrestling show about nothing. It's the same, same thing. <laughs>
1: Hey, come on <laughs> well there goes our guests everybody you should,
2: uh, no, play, but... you should have played the theme song right there and then we just like go out on the <laughs> i'm
0: te- i'm te- i'm saying the internet wrestling community collar going off uh, those are people like yeah
1: drawn to, to. is vince jaylen o'brien wilson larry david like those kind of people that are just always like i gotta have more i gotta write more i gotta keep doing it and it's like it's just awesome and it's just it's like god bless so just, just i mean you think of how many of us over the last couple of years has just been like god who am i what am i doing right now and just when you find your your thing and you're the best at it it's awesome like i just i think those guys are the coolest
0: tommy i want to get you in this year i've obviously gone sure. 10 minutes over what i what i scheduled and i appreciate your patience with everything no i enjoy the campfire vibes of this as There's well a lot too to it. um I want to get your take. WrestleMania, you guys are launching your podcast, Turnbuckles Podcast, available on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. A revealing look on the inside creative process of WWE, which is a wild world to begin with. Um, Your pitches for WrestleMania. What are the pitches? Give me your soft, quick pitches. Uh, 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 Tim, I want you in here as well. I want your quick pitches for this year's WrestleMania. I know it's it's this weekend, but there's two nights. We can cram something in. We can get something in. Is that it? It's a perfect WrestleMania. What about you, pal? What do you got? All right. So, Julie, I'll start with you. What's your pitch for this year's WrestleMania?
2: Oh, I just need—I just need more Oscar all the time. I think I'm just going to double down on my story. It's just Oscar <laughs> times a thousand. Just can one night be Oscar? Like, gosh, I love her. I love her. I love everything about her. So, I want to—I want a Kabuki Warriors night. Uh, I want Kyrie Sane to come back. And 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 just a Kabuki Warriors night. I love them. I think they're great.
4: Tim, your take? I'm the worst person to ask. I mean, all I would want is Austin in Texas.
0: You're <laughs> getting him.
4: <laughs> You're getting him. Uh,
0: what, what what do you think of the build of that? It's been a wild one, I and mean, we're not getting a match. We're getting a, we're getting a segment. No, a segment.
4: I, that's <laughs> all I want. So I I love Steve. I'm old school, so that's what I want.
0: All right. They're not bad about that. Uh, Rico, what do you got, buddy?
3: So I'm generally positive on the car the way it is. I know that's not popular on the Internet, but I actually like the car the way it is. Uh, The one thing I would add, and I'm going to I'm going to break a little bit of news here. Um, So John was talking about uh, Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt is out here. I live in Los Angeles. I'm a Boston guy, but I live out here now. And uh, he showed up at the improv to just watch a comedy show. And i got a call from a buddy of mine he's like hey look who i met and he sends a picture of him with bray wyatt who literally looks like he's made of tree trunks um <laughs> and he he looked like he was having a good time he said bray was a really great guy and he's done then he disappeared he did.
0: disappeared into a fog
3: yeah and well you know, i would love to see him reemerge uh, re-emerge from the fog at the end of night two just bring him back i mean he's it, it they clearly lost merchandise sales he went out and did his thing. I think that's done filming, so hopefully he can come back. I'd love to see that at the end of WrestleMania Night Two. Just He's have a mythical
0: character, John. you're give me, give me your, give me your wild pitch for WrestleMania Thirty Eight.
1: I'm just gonna piggyback off Tom. I think uh, at the end of the main event uh, of Night Two, lights down, lights up, fiends in the ring, strikes everybody. Oh my gosh! And then uh, pulls off the mask, and you bring back uh, Jim Ross just to say, "Oh my God, it's John Laurinaitis." <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Johnny of, Ace, we never. Of, and then instead of folding chairs, everyone gets to go home with a free Johnny Ace
2: NFT. <laughs> I'm nervous for this podcast. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm nervous for this podcast. The <laughs> Titanic I- works, or, signed up Matt, for or anything
1: that involves Paul running. <laughs> I'll go for either one of those.
3: <laughs> well, Julie, remember, it's on you now to get Asuka as a guest. So oh, no- I
2: know, right? It's going that be in Google underrated Translate the whole it. time. It'll just be Google Translate. That's all it'll be. That's fine. Um,
0: uh, did you guys launch uh, socials uh, for the Tim Buckles podcast yet? If people want to check it out, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to miss any pitches that we're not supposed to pitch here.
1: We're on Instagram, I think. Okay, and um,
0: yeah, so you can find us there. And um, there's going to be. You're literally
3: getting us before the drop.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I just want to get you guys going. And obviously, yeah. if anyone is a fan of what you hear me do on SportsKey, check these guys out. They're they're wonderful, creative people. They're wrestling people. They enjoy it before they ever got to work with it. Uh, Tim was raised in it. I'm very jealous of him getting to hang out with The Undertaker as a child. That's that's unfair. Uh, But definitely check out Turnbuckle's podcast through iHeartRadio on all major podcasting platforms, launching this Wednesday before WrestleMania. If you need even more inside scoopery, uh here here's a deep scoop here's a real real deep scoop and this is just a fun different take i know there's a lot of options here but this is a very very different one I, thank I you think guys
1: so too is uh, just real quick i, I mm-hmm. think it's just, we we just have fun with it yeah you know it's like we let everyone else go nuts and get angry on tuesday and then you can on wednesday we get our you get our lukewarm take which i think is the best kind of take <laughs> <laughs> it is tell You're, it
2: john thanks <laughs> you won't burn
1: your mouth we're it's fandom like,
3: detoxed
1: yeah it's like <laughs> you'll just get like we you know we've had some time to think it over and uh, yeah, maybe the golden egg thing didn't go great, but here's what we think was they were trying to do. Here's the symbolism behind the golden egg. Live it. We'll go there. So
0: that's the
2: symbolism behind the golden egg. Let's read into it, right? Mm. Red
0: Notice. Red Notice symbolic. streaming now. Red Notice streaming now. Oh, on yeah. SummerSlam, is- the most symbolic event. <laughs> Everyone go home. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> if nothing else, you can enjoy a very honorable, not disrespectful impression of Vince McMahon. Uh, Turnbuckles podcast. Wednesdays is uh, launching the Wednesday before WrestleMania. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate
3: the time. Looking forward to hearing it too.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Thank Thanks so guys. Thanks, guys.
3: Bye.